I'd like to echo some of Kel's thoughts this morning when he said, uh, thankful for the elders for giving me this opportunity to come and speak with you tonight. Um, thank you for Jonathan for encouraging me and asking me to, to partake in this and filling in for uh, Brother Randy's large shoes. And uh, thank you for all the encouragement that y'all have given me in uh, preparing for this lesson. Tonight, I'm going to talk about living the selfless life. Living the selfless life. think we got it now. It seems, talking about selflessness and, and in its opposite, selfishness, seems to be a part of our nature. It's something that we see as children, we exhibit a selfishness, and it's just in us, and it's hard to break. And it doesn't help that we live in a world that's me first. Uh, where it's all about me, the world revolves around me. And we see that in, in a lot of different ways. And you've probably often heard people say, I'm gonna take care of number one, taking care of myself before others. Is that the way we should live? No. Uh, a more formal definition of selflessness tonight, uh, looked up, sacrificing something for someone other than the self without expecting anything in return. And I could say, as I've struggled with this, and I'd say many of you have as well, that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing. All right, selfishness. Uh, we're given many examples in the Bible, many that's not even listed up here, of different types of selfishness we've seen uh, throughout history. And uh, no earlier than the first two humans to ever live do we see selfishness displayed in Adam and Eve. As we know, Adam and Eve lived in this utopia this land that had everything. They had everything they wanted. The only rule they had was they could not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Uh, until the serpent, the devil, came to them and spoke to them in Genesis chapter 3. And I'll be reading from verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It wasn't enough for them that they had all these things, that they lived in this beautiful place, and they wanted nothing. They could not want and ask for anything more. But they saw something else that they thought they could be like God, and they were tempted into doing it. They showed selfishness, not wanting, thinking about the future, the future of the world, but wanting to be higher, than what they were. Also, Haman, if you remember in the story of Esther, Haman had just gotten a promotion within the king's court. Uh, 
he was very full of himself. And uh, many people saw him when he got this promotion, they would start to bow down in front of him. Uh, but there is one Jew named Mordecai that refused to do that. And this infuriated Haman. He wanted this praise. He wanted, he was selfish for this praise. It's all he could think about. So he decided to try and uh, get rid of the Jews, a genocide of the Jews. And uh, throughout this way, we see even more and more of how he wants to uh, just gain even more power. And uh, in Esther 6 and 6, Haman is talking with the king. And the king says it here in 6. So Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? And now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? We can see how self-centered he was. He can't even see anybody else that he could be talking about. Who would the king honor but more than me? And uh, Haman goes on to describe all these lavish things that he should do uh, for this man that delighted the king, not knowing that who he's talking about is Mordecai, the one, in fact, that would not bow down to him. And what this ended up doing, the selfishness, ended up, uh, selfishness for this praise ended up leading to his death as the Jews were saved through Esther and uh, Haman was hanged with his family. Also, if we look at in Leviticus, we have the story uh, of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. And kind of what they're most known for is uh, they offered strange fire in starting these sacrifices. They didn't do what God commanded. And it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. It's about God. It's not about ourselves. Nadab and Abihu did not realize that, and they decided to go with what they thought would be good. And we see that in many churches today who refuse to look at what the Bible says and go on by what they believe would be good, what they think God desires. Many other times today we see people that get selfish for riches. They want earthly gain, material possessions, and this is what rules their life. It's what controls their life. Uh, none other is more of an example than the rich young ruler described in Matthew chapter 19. And it says, starting in verse 16, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to them, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and your father, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, 
All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was too selfish to realize that all his possessions were just going to be on this earth. They, he could have had something much greater in heaven. And we have to watch ourselves today, too, to make sure we're not overly selfish for material gain as well. How about Jonah? Many people, we learned the story of Jonah when we were little in Bible class. And most remember him that he got swallowed by a great fish. But we remember that Jonah, when asked to go preach to the city of Nineveh, and give them warning of their impending destruction if they didn't repent it. Jonah, Jonah decided he didn't want to do that. He uh, rather set sail on a ship. And then we know the storm came. He was cast overboard. He was swallowed by a fish. And he prayed to God and repented. And uh, he uh, was vomited up on the land. And then he eventually did go do what the Lord asked him and preach to the city of Nineveh. But we don't know before then, before chapter 4, why did Jonah not want to go teach Nineveh? He's taught other people. Why not this nation? And we learn a little bit more in Jonah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, All oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So Jonah got angry for the Lord being a loving God. We don't think about that too much. Jonah and the city of Nineveh was his country's enemy. He didn't believe that this wicked nation deserved to be saved. He, uh, and he didn't want to save these people. He showed selfishness in that. We can't, we can't be like that. We do have to be selfless in that we share the gospel with everybody. We can't hold back on anybody. And uh, finally, uh, David, man revered as a man after God's own heart. But he had his struggles. He had his selfishness. We know we most consider uh, the story of Bathsheba. And we know that uh, he gave in to lust and, uh, and committed adultery. Not only was this adultery, he decided if this got out since Bathsheba uh, became with child. He cared more about saving face, uh, being regarded as this holy man than he did others. So much, in fact, that he had Uriah killed uh, to, to put this away so that his sin would not be found out. 
we have to own up when we when we uh, fall short, when we sin. We can't continue living selfishly to uh, continue sin through that. And some other verses, the Bible speaks about selfishness. Second uh, Timothy three verse one through five talks about people in perilous times. Uh, and it says, starting in verse one, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience of parents, unthankful, unholy, and it continues on. Lovers of themselves. Yeah, it's thrown in there with all these other things that we think is so bad. We have to not be lovers of ourselves. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 states, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. I would even go as far to say, not only is that true, but the opposite is true. Somebody who is seeking their own desires all the time they're eventually going to come to isolation. The people that are around them, if they're only thinking about themselves, only putting themselves first, people aren't going to want to stay around them. They're going to end up being isolated. And we as Christians can't be like that. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking to the Galatians and telling them about the works of the flesh and uh, lists all these sins and terrible things, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, self selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and it continues on. We see that Selfish ambitions is right there in the middle of all these things, such as murder, drunkenness, hatred. It's just as bad, and we can't be given into it. And we can also see in James, selfishness can lead to confusion of the word. It says in verse 14, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wis this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. We have to let the word be what the word is. We can't put our own spin on it. We can't be self-seeking in it to get our own things through the word. We have to let it speak for itself. So now, how do we become selfless? What's a way we can show our selflessness? We can show selflessness through service. Service to others we think about. Think of many examples. But I dare to say that we'll never be able to have any selfless service, show any selfless service, if we aren't come to humbleness, humility. 1 Peter chapter 5 talks about this, starting in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, 
submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We have to be clothed with humility. It has to be all around us. It has to show to others this humbleness, this humility. Because God's going to resist the proud, as he says, but he will give grace to the humble. And he promises us that if we are humble on this earth, that he will exalt us in due time. So we have a promise through God. If we humble ourselves, we will be exalted one day. Also, Matthew chapter 18. This is another instance in several times when the apostles and the disciples asked Jesus something about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we'll start in verse 2 as he starts to answer this question of the disciples. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we have to be like a little child. We have to humble ourselves as we do children sometimes. have to be like a child in meekness and in innocence. Also, he talks about what are requirements of the elect in Colossians. Paul does in chapter 3. He says in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, And he adds some more going on from there. But humility is the key point of that. To be part of the elect of God, to be a Christian as we are, humility is something we have to be put on. We have to put on and live through our life. And also, we'll go to Luke chapter 14. Another example of what will happen to those who humble themselves. He says in verse 11, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, saying if we exalt ourselves on this earth, we have two options. We can exalt ourselves on this earth, and that's all we have, and we're going to be humbled in that day of judgment by the Lord. Or our other option is that we can humble ourselves on this earth be more selfless, give in to service, and uh, we will be exalted one day with Jesus in heaven. And I know that's what we all want. Also, another point that is very difficult for us to realize and goes against what a lot of the world teaches, we, ha- we need to have a desire to be last. We always want to be the champion. We want to be first. We want to be first in line. We want to be the do the best on the test. We want to finish first place. But that attitude isn't always what's going to get us to heaven. We need a desire to be last. Coming from the lesson text tonight, go to Matthew chapter 20. Starting verse 26. 
Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life ransom for many. So it's another answer to who will be the greatest, who will be first. If we want to be first in the kingdom of heaven, we have to become a servant. To be, to be great and to be first there, we have to be a slave to others. We have to have that selflessness just as the Son of Man did. Uh, the Bible also teaches we shouldn't think more highly of oneself. In Romans chapter 12, as it says, starting in verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We can't think we're more important than somebody else, somebody else on this earth. We all have an importance. We all share a purpose. We all have a function. And this is especially true within the church. Just because one man may be an elder, one may, man may be a preacher, that's their function but they don't think more highly of themselves for that. But we all have to know that the church is one body made up of many members that all have a, its own respective function. So don't think too highly of ourselves. And another principle that's shared quite often in Matthew, specifically in 19 and 20, it just states, the Lord states as he's talking in different parables, that the first will be last, and the last are first. And uh, in the, the chapter 20 of Matthew, when he states that, he follows with, for many are called, but few are chosen. So he realizes it's difficult for people to put others above themselves to be last and not seek to be first. We have to show service to others. Uh, how do we do that, or why should we do that? The Bible, again, tells us that we should. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12, states, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among you. We have to esteem our brethren. We have to show it through our kindness and through deeds by ser serving them, and we're demanded to do it. Also, what does serving others do? Uh, Hebrews talks about it shows Jesus living in us. We can show Jesus through our service. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work of labor, of your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. 
we've shown that labor of love, that service, and by doing that, it's done in his name, and it shows Jesus that is living in us to others. Also, it can bring glory to God. Our service brings glory to God. First uh, Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever. Amen. God has given us each some type of talent, a gift that we can use to serve others. And we're required to to serve others, to minister it. And when we do that with the ability which God supplies, we glorify God through Jesus. We have to bring glory to God by using our talents and serve him. Also, we have a responsibility to use our service to God if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice. What do we know about sacrifices? Well, we know that a sacrifice requires some type of death. So death and living kind of opposite of each other. What is a living sacrifice? That means we have to put away our old, old man. When we're baptized into Christ with Jesus, we put away our old ways of sin, and now we have to turn our lives, and it's living for Jesus. It's a living sacrifice through him, and it's acceptable to God must be acceptable and that's our reasonable service to God uh, and this life isn't easy uh, we have to give up things along the way things we may really want to do things we enjoy uh, but we have to deny ourselves as it says in Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 through 25 verse 24 through 25 then Jesus said to his disciples if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's about self-denial, and, it, and it's necessary if we want to have our, a life and a home in heaven one day after this earthly life is over. And we're given an example of Paul. We know Paul, who was the chief of sinners as he proclaimed of himself, Often when he was going into these cities, setting up the churches, they, he, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned. All these bad things that luckily we don't have to deal with today when teaching Christ. Uh, he, he tells us a little bit about 
This in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. He served the Lord with all humility, he says. He taught and kept teaching others, though there was plotting of the Jews, as he talks about. He shed many tears and had many trials, but that didn't stop him. He says, I kept nothing back which was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you. He kept on going. We have to be like Paul in our service to God. And I'd say to be able to serve others and show that self, selflessness, we can't do that if we don't have a love for another, a selfless love. Uh, and the Bible gives us a lot of characteristics of love, starting in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we ha to be able to serve, we need this love, this love for each other. And... Uh, if we want to find out about love in the Bible, we can often go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, known to many as the book or the chapter of love. And uh, starting in 1 Corinthians and verse 4 of chapter 13, they, uh, Paul tells us some things about love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does, no, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love does not seek its own. So love in itself is not selfish. To have love is to have some type of selflessness if we love. And uh, we can see from Second Peter chapter 1 that this love is necessary for growth as Christians. That it's not just faith only. Second Peter in chapter 1 states, starting in verse 5, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need this love to be fruitful in Jesus. We know that faith without works is dead, and this is why it's telling us don't need just faith. We need to add to it. We add all these things. We add to brotherly kindness and love so that we can show our fruit, we can bear fruit. 
uh, we see that this brotherly kindness can kind of be linked to this love, as we might call it, brotherly love. So what is this brotherly love? Romans chapter 12 sheds a little light on this. Starting in verse 10, it states, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. It's this giving preference to one another. It's putting others before our own. Putting others first is what it comes down to, this brotherly love. In 1 John chapter 3, it starts to show, it has a passage that shows that brotherly love is necessary to live the Christian life. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 3 of 1 John. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So we have to love our brethren. We can't do bad to each other because hating he hating his brother is compared to being a murderer. And we know, and it's, as it plainly states, a murderer has, has no eternal life abiding in him. So this brotherly love is necessary for us to reach our salvation. And uh, if we continue down in verse 16, it shows us how we can kind of show our love to our brethren. Verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can show our love by these deeds, by that service. We need this brotherly love to have that selfless service, to be selfless. So what about the selfless life? There's only been one person to walk this earth that's ever lived a perfect life and a truly selfless life. And if you ask yourself, why should I be selfless when all these other people around us are not? 1 John chapter 2 says, starting in verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So we have to walk like Jesus walked. We have to follow his example. We have to be selfless like he is. So now that brings the question, did Jesus do all these things that we've mentioned tonight? Was he selfless? Did he humble himself? Turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me. Start in verse 5 and continue through verse 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus, he humbled himself many times, especially to go to the cross. And we also mentioned that God makes a promise that if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. And he most certainly kept this promise with Jesus. As it said, he uh, highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. We have a promise of heaven if we humble ourselves and do God's will. Jesus did not put himself first. He wasn't the great. He didn't have to be the greatest of different things. We know that he had a lowly birth, born in a manger. We know it says that uh, the Son of Man has no... uh, nothing to lay his head on uh, and we, he was off we know he had the choice that he could have had all these things uh, when he is being tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4 it says starting in verse 8 again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory And he said to them, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He could have had everything. He could have had all the kingdoms of the world. He could have had all the glory that so many people in the Bible sought. They were going after. But he he didn't have to do that. He didn't want it. And he resisted that. What about others? How did he serve others? We're given a pretty famous example of Jesus washing the apostles' feet in John chapter 13. We think about washing each other's feet. I dare say many of you would not want to wash my feet. You wouldn't want to wash any other person's feet. Uh, Think about in Jesus' time how much dirtier it probably would have been this had to be considered the lowest of low things to do but he humbled himself he didn't consider him the greatest and he served the apostles it says in John chapter 13 starting in verse 12 so when he had washed their feet taken his garments and sat down again and he said to them do you know what I have done to you you call me teacher and lord And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he showed a great example of serving others, and he assures them that even though you may be serving others and doing these low things for other people, that doesn't mean the other person 
is greater than you. Because we're blessed if we do them. And uh, what about brotherly love? Did he show that love? He absolutely did. Love took him to the cross. It starts in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. And it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. He gave his life for us. He showed the ultimate love by going to the cross for our sins. Jesus was lived that selfless life. He lived the selfless life. We have to do better to try to follow his examples and live a more selfless life. I appreciate Adam singing that song before the lesson. All of self and none of thee. None of self, all of thee. Uh, and as we conclude tonight, bring us back to the fourth verse of that. And it says, Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. Lord, thy love at last has conquered. None of self and all of thee. Tonight, have we, can we look at ourselves? Can we say we have none of self and we're all of Jesus? That's what we got to pursue all the time. We have to be all about it. We have to try to live that selfless life like Jesus did. There may be some of you tonight who have never put Jesus on in baptism. May his love may have not conquered you all the way yet. You have that opportunity tonight. There may also be some of you who have made that decision, who have said that it's not going to be about me anymore. It's about you, Lord. But it slowly kept crept back into our lives. Less of self and more of thee. Some of self and some of thee. All the way to all of self and none of thee. We can put away that old life and come back to how, how we should be of that none of self and all of thee. If there's anything we can do to help you tonight, won't you please come as we stand and sing.